0: The following podcast contains adult language is intended for adults and should be consumed by adults. If you let your children listen to this, it's on you. Welcome to mom and dad are fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, March 11th, the boy girlfriend divide edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, and I'm the mother of Naima, Naima's mother, mom of Naima, who is almost eight years old. And we live in Los Angeles, California.
1: I'm Dan Kois, I'm a writer for Slate, I'm the author of the book How to Be a Family, and I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 15, and Harper, who's 13, and we live in Arlington, Virginia.
2: Hi, I'm Jessica Winter, my daughter's name is Devin, she is six, my son Taryn is four, and we live in Brooklyn.
1: Welcome back, Jessica! I am so
2: excited to be here, I cannot believe Lyra is 15, that hurts my heart, it really- Yeah, it's
1: shocking. So much time completely has inappropriate in my opinion
2: <laughs> no i'm so happy to be here thank you
0: i can't believe people still get to live in brooklyn and i don't it hurts <laughs> me to my heart so congratulations <laughs> and i'm tempted to ask you to go check in on my favorite bodega cat <laughs> we are excited to have you we're going to be answering a question about a little boy whose friends are all girls his parents are worried that he's going to be left all alone when middle school arrives I can tell you that's not necessarily how that always goes. We're then going to commiserate with a mom who is fed up with her kids and their annoying nonsense word. On Slate Plus, we're going to be talking to Jessica about her son, the budding engineer, who can't stop disassembling everything in her apartment. What have your kids destroyed? What haven't they destroyed? But first, let's start with triumphs and fails. And we'll start with you, Jessica. Do you have a triumph or a fail
2: on your return to the show? I have a Triumph that's going to double as a recommendation. And it, it dates back several weeks now, but I needed to share it. So as Jamila mentioned, I wrote recently about my four-year-old who's very handy around the house. And one episode that I mentioned in that essay was when I was appearing on a Zoom panel and when it was my turn to speak the internet cutout because he had rerouted the internet connection with Magnetiles. What I didn't mention is that by the time I had the internet working again and I had attempted to resume my part of the conversation my son was on my lap yelling mommy mommy I want you to rub my belly for good luck (laughs) (laughs) this is in front of a lot of people so I turned my zoom off again and I got him situated and settled down and I I came back for a third time and I did my presentation and and it all went fine and I got some texts and emails saying oh you were so calm you kept it together And I was confused by this because I'm a moderately flappable person. I can't be relied upon to stay calm in those situations. And I realized that I stayed calm and I remembered everything that I wanted to say. And I handled it reasonably well because, not because of like great inner resources, but because of Janet Lansbury. Do you guys know who Janet Lansbury is? No. I do not. She's the host of this podcast called um, Respectful Parenting Unruffled. I just so happened on the day of this panel in the afternoon, I was cleaning the house and I was just binging Janet Lansbury podcast. So she, she's in the wry, respectful parenting tradition, which is pretty laissez faire. It privileges, you know, respect and validation. And it's like this really mindful and intense form of parenting, but it's, it's also like totally mellow. And there's just something about Janet Lansbury's voice there's this gentle amusement in it and this bone deep calm and it's kind of contagious like if you clean your house for a couple of hours with that voice in your head you just become janet lansbury's tone of voice and i think that's what happened that night like it was a total disaster it was a complete disaster on every level but at the same time it was kind of no big deal, and it was kind of funny, and like that's my parenting mantra now. It's like no big deal and kind of funny.
1: I mean, that's remarkable. There, there has never been a more flappable parenting podcast than ours. <laughs> and so the tone you were employing right there uh, was both soothing and, I think, quite shocking for <laughs> listeners of the show. Just, I a- hope they enjoyed it because it's never coming back.
0: I kind of want to hear more now.
2: Well, I mean, I feel like a hypocrite sharing this because last night my son intentionally, knowingly toppled over some plants in the kitchen like it wasn't an accident and there was soil everywhere and it took me a long time to clean it up. And and I yelled at him like I admit it. I totally yelled at him. I apologize later for yelling at him, but like I definitely do not live up to the unruffled ideal all the time.
1: All triumphs are short lived as are all fails. Thank you, Jana Lansbury. That was a good one.
0: What about you, Dan? Do you have a fail or a fail?
1: Uh, I have a triumph. (laughs) What? If you can believe it, you know, we're in uh, month 72 of the pandemic and I am still always searching for pandemic activities to do with my kids or really with Harper. Lyra doesn't need pandemic activities, but Harper needs pandemic activities. And last week, I found just a perfect one, and it really only lasted one afternoon. But it was such a rousing success that I want to share it here. I think that other parents might find it a, a useful one-day savior as well. Which is that Harper and I organized the spice cabinet. Just as your child is the deconstructor, my child is the organizer. She's the queen of organizing things. So to prepare, I got one of those rotating. Revolving spice racks with 24 little glass canisters in them, and I got Harper to refill her label maker with fresh label tape, and uh, we just spent, like, a merry afternoon from basically from, like, the time work was done until way after dinner should have been started just taking all 1 million spices out of the spice cabinet and sorting them out and discovering that we have three separate bottles of ground cloves and, you know, and all the other duplicates that we purchased and then emptying them into the little bottles and having Harper print out specific labels for each one and taping them to them and then organizing them in the cabinet by seeds and ground things and whole things and sweet spices and savory spices it just killed hours and she was so happy and the end result was a, like a 7% more organized kitchen area. So it was great for us too, but really it was just, it allowed her to tap into her greatest like bone deep pleasures and allowed me to like keep her happy for a couple hours and feel like I was actually connecting with her as opposed to just being like, as usual, Get out of my face. I'm trying to make dinner. Uh, So it was really fun. And so if you have a kid who is like a little bit of an organize-y person, um, they might enjoy this too. So consider it.
2: Can Harper come over to my house? I was going to say.
1: She would die to come over to anyone's house and organize their spice cabinet.
2: All right. Let's make a date
1: okay i'll tell her she's hired
0: all kids love california i'm just saying so <laughs> when, when lyra comes out for radical girl camp um that's her right. more than welcome to come do some organizing because i could use it and i'm also pricing label makers as we speak because i love to buy the accoutrement of organization mm-hmm. um if only it used itself that is a very good triumph dan congratulations to you and i'm sorry i doubted you um so uh, <laughs> So I have a bit of a fail, um, even though I already know how Elizabeth, uh, if she were here, would turn this around and make it a triumph. But Naima has been allowed to experiment with makeup a little bit. I I don't think anyone thought of it as like, oh, so Naima is like seeing herself as like a girl who wears makeup, as opposed to like, this is imaginative play, right? Like this is a costume of sorts naima has taken to wanting to wear makeup uh regularly you know or or feeling disappointed when she's told no and and i've even you know rolled back like what doing wearing a little makeup looks like it's now you can do a little glitter on your eyes and some lip gloss right like we're not doing a full face because you know like she'd asked me last week can i wear some makeup all right fine she goes to uh my vanity and comes back with a full face, including a shade of foundation that is not right for her, right? Like it's not her (laughs) color. And when I asked her about it, I said, are you wearing foundation? She's like, no. (sighs) I'm like, you're an entirely different color than when I made you. So are you not, are you, what are you, are you wearing? No, mommy, no, I'm not like straight face. It turned out, no, she was not wearing foundation. She was wearing my very good concealer all over her face you know the concealer that comes in a little bitty pot that's not meant for all over your face but anyway so we're now stuck in this situation where i'll say today's no makeup day we're not doing makeup which is basically every day at this point um (laughs) she'll see me putting on makeup and she'll say well, mommy, you know, why are you wearing makeup? I'm like, well, I'm an adult and I choose to wear makeup. She's like, but you don't have to. You're so pretty without it. And so like she's using all of my lines that I've used to discourage her from feeling like she needs makeup. So now every time I attempt to put on eyeliner or what little concealer I have left, I'm met with, but mommy, you know, you're pretty without it, right? And so I'm torn between feeling like I need to, even though I don't wear makeup every day, but there is this feeling now that like, do I just stop wearing it for a while to like give her some peace around? Around, like what I actually look like or the idea that women don't need makeup or do I just wear my makeup when I want to because that's the whole point of the feminism in the first place is that I can do it as I see fit
1: that kid is a master
0: she just is
1: an incredible manipulator
0: so manipulative,
1: wrapped around her finger wrapped yeah wrapped uh, I just have to tip my cap <laughs> <to> Naima <laughs> for what she has accomplished
2: I went like 11 months without wearing makeup and I recently like got a new like full supply of makeup, mm. you know, hoping that we can like leave our homes in a few months. And both of my kids are super interested in it. I, I recently lost a bottle of foundation to a little bit of a sink oh, no. experiment. And I, and I have the same um, conflict with them where it's just like, well, if you're wearing it and it's okay for you to wear it, why can't we... And I I feel like one of them is, like, one inch away from the, but mommy, you're so, you know. It's Um, it's the same reason
1: you're allowed to smoke cigarettes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is essentially the conversation I've tried to have, which I have earned the privilege with my adulting and all these responsibilities and burdens. Like, you only see the highlight. You only see the good part of being an adult. You want to sit down and pay some bills with me, you know, I'm sure you'll give up the makeup and go run to your teddy bear and Barbie dolls Mm -hmm. in fear. That's what we're dealing with over here. Before we move on to the main show, let's handle a little business. Slate podcast listeners, listen up. Help us make a better slate by answering our survey. It'll only take a few minutes, and you can find it at slate.com backslash survey. In Slate Plus, we'll be talking about the strangest things our little ones have destroyed. Here's a little bit of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus.
2: The reassembly is an area of growth for (laughs) Taryn.
1: So, you don't have any clocks, is what you're saying.
0: To hear segments like that and to get ad free versions of your favorite Slate podcast, sign up for Slate Plus. Slate Plus members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate pod, bonus episodes of shows like Slow Burn and Dear Prudence, and you can say that you're supporting the work that we do here on Mom and Dad are Fighting. It's only $1 for the first month. Go on ahead and go to slate.com backslash momanddadplus and sign up now. Also, don't forget to check out my new Slate Live show, Wild and Wise. Every other Wednesday, myself and WBM are going live to talk about race, sex, identity, and modern life with wits and wisdom. We go live every other Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And if you don't want to wait until next week for a new episode, you can check out the first few ones right now by going to Slate's Facebook or YouTube pages, or you can visit slate.com live. Now, if you want to be notified about all things Slate Parenting, you need to sign up for Slate's parenting newsletter. Besides getting all of Slate's great parenting content in one tidy place, including Mom and Dad are Fighting, Ask a Teacher, Karen Feeding, and much more, it's also just a fun dance story right in your inbox each week. So go sign up for that too at slate.com backslash parenting email. Finally, if you want to connect with other parents, join our parenting group on Facebook. It's super moderated, it's super active, and if anyone is a jerk, they get the boot. It's a cool place. Uh, You'll see me every once in a while. That's Slate Parenting on Facebook. Let's get into our first listener question of the week, being read, as always, by none other than the fantastic Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, do
3: boys and girls stay friends as they get older? Or do they split up late in elementary school, as they tended to when I was growing up? 100% of my rising second-grade son's friends are girls. He enjoys them, and they enjoy him, and we are both very happy with the buddies that he has. I just worry that they might all ditch him in a year or two if kids split along gender lines. He's never mentioned that he doesn't like boys or anything. It just kind of seems like he hasn't met any that he clicks with. I've never tried to encourage friendships with boys. I don't know how I would even do that, but I do worry that in a year or two, all his friends' birthday parties will suddenly be girls-only slumber parties, and that he'll be left out without anyone else to hang with.
0: What do you think, Jessica?
2: So, I don't know that there's anything you can actually do as a parent to intervene, in part because you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, it's such a terrible feeling, even to have a premonition that your child will be left out. But I I think all you can do is just be receptive or attentive to that possibility. I guess if you're friends with or friendly with any parents of boys, you could maybe arrange an outdoor play date if that wouldn't feel awkward. I'm curious, Dan, as a former boy, uh, what you think about this?
1: I was definitely this second grader. Most of my friends were girls around that time. and uh, and that and what she is worried about happening to her son definitely happened to me. There was like a period where right, sort of when the cootie years hit, I was suddenly left without friends because girls were only playing with girls and boys were only playing with boys. I don't think that this is universal. I think that other people may have had different experiences uh, in, in their elementary school years, but it definitely happened to me. We saw it happen to Lyra, who had a lot of friends who were boys in first and second grade, and then there was just a moment where neither she nor the boys were interested in that anymore, and the overwhelming social pressure in their class was to not be friends across genders. In both my case and in Lyra's case, the social situation essentially worked itself out by people falling into like the the pre-approved slots available to them, and neither Lyra or I were particularly great at making new friends. We did find friends of the same gender during the years where that was like the approved thing to do, and then you know around seventh or eighth grade it becomes fine again to have friends who are the opposite gender, and then through high school and the rest of your life it remains fine. But I think Jessica's is exactly right that as a parent, it's very hard to practically do anything about this, not only because you don't know for sure whether it's going to happen, but because as we've explored on the show in about a million different ways, it's just very, very difficult and unsatisfying to meddle in your kids' like one-on-one direct social interactions, and it almost always yields worse results than you are hoping for it's just very hard. You can't make kids be friends. You can only push them so far. And it almost always ends up like not working quite how you wanted it to work. In addition to just generally feeling a little bit like, oh, I'm pushing things when I should be allowing them to like make these decisions and make these mistakes on their own. So I don't know that I have a great solution other than to say that I really sympathize with this parent and think that, Jessica's note that being receptive and available and willing to hear your child out when, if the time comes that he is feeling uh, a little bit lonely, will really help maybe even more than you think. Jamila, what do you think?
0: A lot has changed in terms of how gender is experienced and performed since you know we were children. I think about the makeup of friend groups on some of the TV shows that kids are watching on Nickelodeon and Disney, you know, kids uh, this child's age, that they're exposed to more content that is presenting the idea of girls and boys as being, you know, people who can work together. You know, and have an interest in each other beyond uh, the, the romantic interest that they may or may not develop later on in life. I do have some slight optimism there. You know, there are also the boys that that begin friendships with the girls from day one, and the girls remain the, the center part of their social circle for any number of reasons you know, I remember there being boys that were that way when I was younger. And even though we were, I think, far more stratified into these gendered groups socially than, you know, from what I've observed from my own child. And and um, when I think of younger people that I know that may be adults, but just kind of how they, you know, um, have related to to folks across gender lines, in, in my observation, it just feels somewhat profoundly different. I would just add, you know, it is Ter- the idea of your child being left out of anything is terrifying. And this is one of those places where it's, it's easy to do too much. You know, um, I would perhaps consider some sort of activity in which your child would be guaranteed to interact with other boys and maybe trying it out on a trial basis if there's some sort of you know, club or activity at a community center or a church, something where he would be in the company of boys. And I think that it's ideal for kids this age to have meaningful interactions with interactions with children of all genders, right? I don't think it would be ideal for, I I encourage my daughter to have male friends, you know, and I've talked about the importance of having male friends throughout my life and, and what they've meant to me. And she sees that I have, you know, guy friends and that her father has woman friends. And I, I, Think it's a good thing that, you know, he's interacting with girls in a meaningful way. I, I just I don't think it's terrible to politely find ways to better integrate boys into his world. You know, it could be a it it could be a play date or two here and there when you can. Um, but I don't I, I think there's a big difference between forcing it and gently facilitating, you know, opportunities for there to be him getting to know other boys his age, because he should know other boys his age.
1: I'm so interested because I agree with you, Jamila, that it seems like things are really different in the way that kids talk and think about gender now than when I was growing up back in the fucking Stone Ages. Yes. And that the way it's presented in culture is totally different. And I really expected, I think, based on all that, that my kids wouldn't have the same experience that I had. But in both of their classes, for whatever reason, the kids, even though they... They talk about gender totally differently than I did and and think about it totally differently, still completely divided themselves in, like, third grade as if a wall had been erected in their lives. And it bummed me out, honestly, uh, not only because Lyra was losing these friends who I liked and, and whose families I liked— because it seemed to resemble many of the worst aspects of my elementary school years instead of what I hoped for for them, which is that it would reflect a, a, a bold new future as opposed to what I went through. Jessica, have you seen that happening with your kids as they've moved through, moved through life?
2: I've been really struck by the fact that my my kids are three years apart in school. My my daughter's in first grade and my son is still in preschool. And I can see a difference even in those three years, like um, in terms of... In terms of gender presentation, in terms of, you know, self-expression and gender, you know, several of my son's classmates who are boys, you know, they'll they'll wear a skirt or a princess costume to the playground or they'll paint their nails when they come to school. Um, my own son had a phase for a while where he wanted to wear a Wonder Woman costume. To school every day and and you know I let him that went on for weeks and I'm actually kind of sad that phase is over I, I really enjoyed the Wonder Woman era you know I didn't really see that among my daughter's uh, male friends um, even three years earlier than that so I am curious to see if those gender lines are breaking down with very very young children in terms of self-presentation and creativity and what they want to wear to school I, I am curious if those the gender lines of friendship will
1: also, breakdown in some kind of semi-permanent way. Here's one practical piece of advice I can give. I agree that trying to just foster gentle playdates with boys sort of as an inoculation against loneliness in case it does happen that these these cross-gender friendships fall apart so that there are some boys that he is also friends with can really help. But I also think you, the parent, may be feeling sad about these friendships with these girls falling apart. The, you may really like these girls. You may like their families. You probably really love that he's so happy with these people and that he has friendships across cross genders. And you may be wondering, is there some way that I can save or salvage any of these friendships? Um, and that's tricky, but the, the one suggestion I have is... If possible, try to foster like a, like a full family friendships with one or two of these girls' families, if you like them, if you get along with those parents, if you think you have things in common, if you think there's a possibility for that, um, if you can create a situation in which the parents are friends with the parents and the parents organize family get-togethers that gives those kids a reason to get together, even deep in the cootie years of fourth and fifth grade, <laughs> They might be grateful for that. They might not be able to to express it exactly, but having that way to maintain that friendship outside of the like the social structures and rules that school enforces sometimes might be really helpful to them and it might help you save a little bit of what you like about these friendships right now.
2: The idea of the full family friendship is so charming, and also the idea of a vaccine against loneliness is so If only
1: if only we can also get that shot in the next Seriously. couple of months.
0: If only, if only. Well, thank you so much, Letter Writer, uh, for your inquiry. Uh, we hope that we were helpful. Please feel free to give us an update. We love updates. And if you fellow listeners are interested in asking us something, go on and send us an email to at slate.com, Or you can do what this listener did and post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook page. Just search for Slate Parenting.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: All right, let's get into our second listener question, which is read, as always, by the tremendous Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom
3: and Dad, I have a seven and a four and a half year old who have been spending a lot of time with me in the pandemic. I am hardcore struggling with one thing lately. They have a word that they got from some TV show that they yell in a high-pitched voice all the time. The word is dibble I'm not sure that's relevant. It's a nonsense word at least, but it annoys the crap out of me. The kids know it irritates me. I've tried asking them how they would feel if I did something that I knew irritated them. But how do I get them to stop? I don't want to threaten them with taking something away. It's so ingrained in their vocabulary that I don't think it would be an effective deterrent. Everything I try works for three minutes until the next time. Is this something I should just get over somehow, or can I try another tactic? It's been a long two months of this.
0: Dan, what do you think?
1: This poor woman. I have two things to say about this. The first is just that I really sympathize with you. I think a lot of us are really at the end of our ropes uh, or well past the end of our ropes with the people we have been crammed together in houses and apartments with for the last 12 to 14 months. I'm sure there's something I say or do. That is equally nonsensical. That drives my children and my wife crazy. I really, really feel for you. The second thing I want to say to you is. dibbity. Mm. I want to give it up to these children. Who are expert trolls. Who have found the perfect way to push your buttons. And are loving it. They are loving life. Probably this is the only thing that's given them joy. <laughs> in the last two months. And you got to respect <laughs> that. Honest to God, I think you just got to grit your teeth and put on noise-canceling headphones and get them outside as soon as the temperature is above 36 degrees and there's no other possible solution. But I would love to hear what you guys have to say.
2: I think you have to do your best to ignore it, like Dan advises. I also agreed with uh, one of our uh, Slate Facebook commenters that you could start saying it, but like saying it in the wrong way. In the wrong, you know, in inappropriate settings, maybe stress the wrong syllables or, you know, say it in some kind of grading voice. And the only other thing that occurs to me is I think it's a Netflix show. When I got sick of watching Paw Patrol or sick of my children watching Paw Patrol, I just told them that our Netflix subscription ran out and we just didn't have Netflix for a while. It's like, oh, Netflix isn't working. It's so expensive, we don't have it anymore. You could do that, and then maybe they're not watching the show, but maybe Screaming Dibble D is independent of whether or not they're watching the show.
1: That's great. Netflix only works after 9 p.m. for some reason.
2: Yeah, it's it's a it's a grown-up thing. It's it's like my makeup. I love yes, it. And Jessica's um, right.
1: This is a Netflix show. It's called Grizzly and the Lemmings. The show is supposedly from France, but really it is from hell. <laughs> Uh, it is about a grizzly bear who's tormented by a bunch of lemmings. The lemmings are clearly ripoffs of like the minions or the uh, the lemurs from Madagascar. All they do is make mischief and they yell "Dibidi." Uh, I've I've prepared some clips from the show. Let's take a listen. So imagine in every single one of those little moments. Something funny happens and then all the lemmings go dibbidi and then one of them explodes or some shit. The show, honest to God, sounds like the worst thing in the world. So if you've accomplished nothing else, letter writer, at least maybe you've steered other parents away from the show.
0: Imagine writing for support and they just go out of the way to play to play the very sound that triggers you over and over again. That's what we do here, Mom and Dad. You need to play
1: audio from the show.
0: I know, just to make so that everyone could could share in your horror. We wanted to to empathize with you. Um, I love the suggestion from the Facebook group about uh, remixing the sound and making it bad. I love a good troll. You know, your children are trolling you. You've got to troll back. I would also suggest perhaps coming up with your own equally ca- annoying catchphrase that you meet each dibble d with. Uh, the only risk of that is that they might decide that that's the two of you guys clapping five, you know, um, that, when you, you, that they like it. Uh, but it could work, especially if it's something that they really hate. I love the Netflix suggestion. Anytime you can uh, just completely bend reality to uh, distract your child from doing something is A-OK with me. Um, I would also add, finally, perhaps a challenge of some sort where there are some stakes, right? Like... Whomever can go the longest without saying Dibble D can earn something, right? That you have established that this has gone on too long. This is a thing that literally drives me up the wall. I love you. I'm happy to let you watch shows that you enjoy from time to time. What I cannot do is live in Dibble D land. I am not a lemming. You are not a lemming. This has to end. So here's how we're going to do it. And you can have a chart like you might do, you know, a behavioral chart or, you know, an attendance chart in a classroom with some star stickers and every, whether it's by the the hour or the time of day, um, you know, morning, afternoon, night, whether it's a daily thing, measure the ability of your children to abstain from saying Dibble D and incentivize them not saying it. Give them a reason because uh, unfortunately, your sanity, your your emotional state and your um, comfort are not reason enough for your children to alter their behavior. As you will learn over and over and over again. <laughs>
1: It is so inspiring that you think that could work, (laughs) but honest to God, I just think they're going to see, keep saying dibbidi till they get sick of it. And any number of charts is only going to stress to them how much they're annoying you and how much success they are having. I think you just got to banish them to the outdoors. One Facebook parenting group member suggested trading your kids in for other kids. That's also a great idea. I, I think the only thing that will help this is the fullness of time.
0: What about a little light misting of water, like a cat?
1: Like a cat? Or a, like a just a shock collar, but not one of the really bad ones. Just like a little just a little zolt.
0: You always take it too far. I literally just made a little, you <laughs> know, like, like a mischievous kitten. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do feel very bad for this. Do you guys have a memory of some specific thing that your kid would not stop saying for weeks or months that drove you completely insane for us? It was when we lived in Costa Rica for two weeks, uh, our kids, I don't even know this is from some YouTube video or meme or, or music Lee as TikTok used to be called. And they just would go over and over and over again. I like trains. And then they would like run into us and they said it. A hundred times a day. And we just wanted to murder them. And eventually they stopped.
0: So my daughter and her brother had gotten hooked on a YouTube show uh, called Annabelle and Isabel. It's like a Barbie show uh, that a little girl makes where she's got Barbie dolls and they have, I guess she's maybe in the UK. She has a very particular accent. And so these two children had decided, had somehow, her brother especially, but her bro- Naima would do it too. Like they effectively a- appropriated this child's accent and were speaking in it at length. It bothered me so much. It was like there was a no Annabelle Isabel voice rule in both households. Like, stop talking like that. It was. The absolute worst. And because they speak in these kind of sweet baby voices, you know, the the characters and the children themselves, the first few seconds of conversation, you don't quite realize they're doing it when it's, you know, <laughs> oh my I can't even do it. It's just so god awful. But just, you know, mommy, can we go to the store? It's just uh, oh breaking out of noise? Uh, <laughs> You don't want to hear anymore. You don't want to hear anymore. It's really bad.
2: And they're using that voice on you to get you to do something or get you to give them something, which compounds the the horror of it.
0: There are times where just the sound of the word mommy just makes my skin crawl now. And that's (laughs) a sad pandemic reality because it was once the sweetest sound in the world. And now it is like getting cut with a butter knife. (laughs) 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 Jessica, did your have your little ones put you through a weird vocal uh, fixation at any point yet?
2: Mine was pure vocalization. It wasn't even a word or a catchphrase. My son, had his lovey is a stuffed cat named Kiki. He would vocalize what he thought uh, Kiki sounded like. And so instead of like a sweet little meow, he would, do, I'm not going to do it. But it, it, it's just like. It. Bl- <sighs> like that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. And he wasn't doing it to annoy me. Like, this is just... It's like, oh, you Is know this how the okay, cat just you know, communicates?
0: Like, I'm happy? Like, a, that's the purr? Or is that, like,
2: distress? It's, it's just, hello, Kiki's here. Meow. <laughs> you know what it sounded like? It sounded exactly like when Daryl Hannah in Splash <laughs> introduces herself <laughs> in the crazy Eddie's electronics store and all, and all of the glass shatters. And they have to make up a name for her and they're crossing Madison and they, oh. yeah. So um, he would, he, this went on for six months and he would do it a lot at bedtime. I think he found it soothing to just clutch Kiki to his chest and, and scream. Um and over time, he did pick up on how much it annoyed me, and I think that created the the vicious cycle and once in a while, once in a while he'll just pull it out you know he'll just it's you know it's eight o'clock we're reading Dr. Seuss, and then all of a sudden, all glass around us is shattering because Kiki has something to say um but like i couldn't i couldn't talk him out of that i I couldn't incentivize or disincentivize him you know, to stop doing that. It, it was, as Dan said, it was the fullness of time. But um, I do, I do admire Jamila's strategies for, for getting Look, over
0: if this. if nothing else, she'll feel like she's being proactive, right? You'll feel like you're Absolutely. doing something, yeah.
1: I love that your son has kept that in his toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> just because so he knows he can pull that out every every once in, in a while, just to keep you, you on self. your toes. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: right. Break that, that
1: glass.
0: That is fantastic. Okay, I have one more idea that just made me think of something. There is a, I believe, a 10-hour loop of the Price is Right uh, fail song. (laughs) <laughs> on YouTube, and it's something, I used to pull this out at my, at one of my jobs for humorous effect, you know, and somebody would have a fail and it would just run and run. Uh, I hope that was not workplace bullying. I think everybody was in on the joke when I would do this, but perhaps you could keep the prices Right fail horn uh, on your phone. And <laughs> when your child, one of your children makes a dibble sound, you could just hit them with the, like, you failed, you fail to stop saying this awful word, I don't know a little little shaming doesn't hurt nobody except for children usually, so something <laughs> so, something to think about one one annoying sound deserves another, right? It's not like you know I said spray them with water i I think another rude sound would be great. um, I did not say spray them with water like a cat earlier. you would never say I would that. never say something like no. that, uh not even in jest
2: no, I don't remember that
0: no. Thank you so much, uh, Letter Writer, and I am so sorry for your dibble-dee troubles. Please, please, please do keep us updated. We'd love to know when uh, your your local nightmare comes to an end. If you have a parenting conundrum all your own, send it in. Shoot us an email at at slate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Before we get out of here, of course, we have our recommendations. Jessica, what are you recommending for us this week?
2: I wanted to recommend picture books illustrated by Melissa E. Y. She has this lovely and very friendly and homey illustration style. Her characters have these round, gentle faces and the colors are so lush and bright. It's just a beautiful, saturated, very non-pandemic world that she creates. And she also smuggles a lot of learning and know-how in her illustrations. Um, she illustrated a book called Let's Go to the Hardware Store. That's a big favorite in our house. And, you know, you go on this nice trip, but you also end up learning a lot about different types of hammers. Two of our favorites are Soup Day. There's another one called Pizza Day, uh, which also have recipes in the back that we've tried. And she has a new one coming out in a couple of months called Dumplings for Lily that I've pre-ordered. And I'm hoping it will teach me how to make dumplings.
0: Awesome.
1: Love a a good illustrator recommendation.
2: Yeah.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Thank you, Jessica. What about you, Dan? What are you recommending?
1: Uh, I'm recommending a brand new novel by an author you may know well, Jessica Winter. (laughs) The novel is called The Fourth Child. It's out this week and recently subject to a rave review. In the New York Times. Uh, The book is just really, really good. It's uh, a family novel, a parenting novel, a social comedy, and a social tragedy. Uh, It's very sharp about being a mom and about being a teenage girl. Uh, It's good on the abortion wars and the culture wars. It's got good grease jokes and good pixies (laughs) jokes. I gulped the whole thing up in like two days. I loved it. It is in stores now. Please buy it.
0: The fourth child. Congratulations, Jessica. Uh, Thank I'm looking you. forward to checking out the fourth child as well. So I am recommending uh, So Delicious, uh, the dairy-free line of products that you've seen in the uh, dairy aisle uh, and in the freezer section of your local grocery store. They have a delicious oat milk frozen dessert made with peanut butter and raspberry. It's like a peanut butter and jelly ice cream and it's made with oat milk and it is so freaking good. I'm obsessed with it. I'm not vegan. I'm also not the biggest fan of oat milk. It Strongly disappointed me after enthusiastic recommendations from many of my uh, non-milk drinking or non-cow's milk drinking peeps who said it was the best thing ever and it was going to change the game for us. And it has not. So I still find myself looking to the teeth of a cow uh, to satisfy (laughs) my creamy, cheesy, ice creamy cravings. However, so delicious oat milk frozen dessert it gets dicey when it's not ice cream anymore right it's oat milk frozen dessert let me not call it ice cream it is an oat milk frozen dessert it is absolutely delicious peanut butter and raspberry go get it unless you're allergic to peanuts in which case i'm so sorry i'm sure they have other flavors for the likes of you um but it is a yummy yummy treat Uh, Thank you guys so much for another lovely episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting. Thank you so much, Jessica Winter, for joining us. And congratulations on the release of your novel, The Fourth Child, available with booksellers everywhere. And that is it for our show. One last time, if you want us to come in and fix your conundrums, send us an email at slate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting. And if you haven't already, please do subscribe to Mom and Dad are Fighting wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us out and it makes sure that you will never miss an episode. And while you're there, go on ahead and leave us a nice, friendly review of the show as well. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. For Dan Kwa and Jessica Winter, I'm Jamila Lemieux.